us good morning. And if you would at this time, please pray with me as we break forth the bread of life. Heavenly Father, we do pause to acknowledge your presence, your preeminence, and your power. Father, we pause because you are worthy of our attention right now. And Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would indeed meet us where we are, whether we are in our living rooms, whether we are on the job. Uh, ask that you would meet us with your Holy Spirit, meet us where we are, but take us where we need to be this morning. Father, where, wherever there may be discouragement, wherever there may be uh, hardness of heart, where there may be a, a need that uh, has not been met. Lord, I ask that you would just speak to those situations and circumstances, even through today's word. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that uh, you would take your word and you would use it in such a way that you would induce our worship. That you would give us uh, a deep belief, and trust in you so much so it will radiate from our lives. And people would see our good works and give glory to you. Even now, oh God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would give me precision of speech, clarity of thought. May you hide me behind your cross. That we would make much of Christ and that you would be exalted in this place. Father, we thank you for each and every mother. We, we thank you for the gifts of children you have given to them. I pray that you would continue to, to use them and uh, you would make use of them to be teachers of your word and uh, faithful stewards of, over the gifts that you have given them. But even now, Lord, we, we lift up those who, who may be bereaving the loss of a mother or uh, one that uh, may have a, a, a sadness of heart because they, they're unable to have children. But, Lord, thank you so much that you are such a good God and faithful God, and your grace will be sufficient. We believe that promise. So even now, dear God, we ask that you will speak, that you will cause us to listen, to hear, and to be transformed through and by your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, whether uh, today is a day of celebration uh, for you uh, or not, may our, our, our Lord's goodness and grace continue to rest upon you today. Uh, but uh, today I would uh, like for us to turn our attention towards one who is arguably the most well-known mother in all of history. No, I'm not talking about Michelle Obama, and I'm not talking about Tina Knowles, uh, but I'm talking about the mother of Jesus, Mary. Uh, we all are familiar with her life through the Gospels. For those who are familiar with Scripture, uh, the mother of Jesus, her, her life is a, a witness and source of encouragement even for us on today. And, but when I think about Mary, the mother of the Son of God. Could you imagine being the mother of Jesus for a moment? Could you imagine what that may have been like even on just simple outings like to the playground? 
Mary bringing Jesus to the playground and letting him play with the other children. She, she will find herself sitting with other mothers. And, and you know how that banter kind of goes on between mothers. We begin to compare our, our, our children with one another, what we can, what they can and can't do. And, and you have one mother says, yes, uh, uh, Jerome, he, he, he's uh, the head of his class and he's the fastest in his class. And he seems to uh, take on Hebrew so easily and he's memorizing scriptures uh, I, I'm just so proud of him. Another mother may say, look at Sarah. She's uh, able to run and she's faster than all those kids over there. She has this athleticism that is amazing. And I, I'm excited to see what she's going to do in her life. Could you imagine those mothers turning to Mary and say, well, what about Jesus? Well, Mary could say, well, uh, I mean, he's God. And uh, uh, he's the creator and sustainer of all things. And as a matter of fact, he's going to be the savior of the whole world. Uh, what a comparison. Though that is uh, jokingly uh, stated, we, 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 we do understand from Scripture that uh, Mary's humility preceded her. And being the mother of Jesus, Mary could have been braggadocious and prideful. Uh, but instead, we see quite a different picture in Scripture. In Scripture, we actually see an incredible gratitude for the privilege of being the mother of Jesus. One uh, in particular passage that lays us out, we see in Luke, the first chapter. In the first chapter of, of Luke's gospel, uh, we will be able to see just uh, the, the, the kind of appreciation that Mary has for this privilege of being Jesus's mother. So if you will, please turn with me to Luke, the first chapter. Uh, And as you do, I just want to give you a little bit of context as we jump in. So uh, Luke begins his gospel with this, uh, this, 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 this picture uh, laying out the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth. So uh, Zachariah, he, he's actually a temple priest. And uh, as the scripture will say that he, there, he is older in age, but the angel Gabriel comes to him while he is in the middle of serving in the, te- uh, in the temple and tells him that he will uh, have a child and that they will name that child John. And at that moment, Zechariah, he's like in, in, in disbelief because the text says, he says that uh, I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. See, that's just a, a sad note. Uh, be mindful. If you could call yourself old, but don't call no woman old. She's advanced in years. But, but, but what we see in the text is that it goes on. And, and when he finishes his service, that him and his wife, Elizabeth, they do conceive. And their son, John, is John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner for Jesus the one who comes before Jesus and the power of Elijah to prepare the way that people's hearts will be ready to hear from Jesus. Well, what a great and glorious privilege that would be to know that your, that your son is going to be the one who goes before Jesus and gets everyone ready. What privilege that would be. But Luke, he doesn't stop there, but then he goes on to talk about Mary herself. Mary is... Uh, visited by the angel Gabriel, sent from God, and he, he tells her of God's plan to 
use her in order that Jesus would be born of a virgin and he would enter into this world, the son of God, and he would rescue men, women, boys, and girls from their sins because he is the uh, long-awaited Messiah who will come to rescue his people. Upon receiving that word, Mary runs to visit Elizabeth. Uh, they, they are related, and, and as soon as Mary walks in to visit Elizabeth, uh, the, 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 the Holy Spirit uh, gives Elizabeth this, this announcement that's induced by his power, confirming what Mary has already believed from the mouth of Gabriel, that she would bear forth the Son of God. And there it is. She believes this. She, she already believes uh, what God has told her through Gabriel. And she chooses to trust in the Lord. She, she chooses to trust in the promise that the Lord has made to her. And today, as we look at the text, we would do well to reflect upon and believe in the promises God has already made to us, just like the promises God had made to Mary. We can learn so much from the text this morning. So Luke, the first chapter, beginning with the 39th verse, we'll read to verse 56. But again, if you would, in honor of the reading of God's word, uh, please stand with me as I read this passage for us this morning. Luke, the first chapter, beginning with the 39th verse. And the word of God reads, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Listen here. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and return to our home. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. I just want to speak to you on the subject of a mother's praise. A mother's praise. You know, it had been 
uh, over 400 years since anyone had heard uh, from God. And, and, and little old Mary receives word that she has been chosen by God to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. This is, this is incredible news. No one had heard a word from God, but, but an angel of the Lord himself shows up to Mary and gives her this hand-delivered news. You're going to be the one through whom the Messiah comes. Could you imagine the, uh, the amount of pressure Mary may have felt uh, after Gabriel's pronouncement over her life? Could you imagine uh, uh, all of the thoughts that were running through her mind and uh, all the complexities and all the questions she may have had? Think about just the external pressures she may have had in her life. Here it is, Mary, an unwed Jewish girl in ancient Near Eastern Israel. That in and of itself would have been a huge problem. What will others think of her? What, what would her reputation be like in the street or in the hood And when people find out, oh, did y'all know Mary was pregnant? Uh, but, but even more so than that, not only would, uh, what others would think, but what would they do to her? Because she had, she had not yet been officially wed, her being pregnant would be an indictment on herself and her entire family, and she could actually uh, uh, be found guilty of adultery and convicted to murder. Those are some incredible external pressures. But not only did she have those external pressures that she dealt with, there was those internal pressures I'm sure she dealt with as well. Because here it is, the angel of the Lord coming to say uh, that the Lord has chose you for this divine assignment. I'm sure there were some questions in her mind of whether she was actually worthy, whether she was good enough for God, whether or not that uh, she... She, 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 she would do the right things during this pregnancy. She may have just simply said, well, why me? What if I can't do this? Those external and internal pressures are laying heavy upon Mary's life. But not only does she have those external and internal pressures laying upon her life, but understand, don't forget, her entire life's plan has been completely upended. She was just a, an average Jewish girl who was betrothed, who was engaged to be married, and I'm sure she had all these plans about what her life being married to Joseph would be like, and then all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and disrupts and interrupts all her life's plans. But instead of having a heart filled with fear or frustration, we see that Mary's heart is actually filled with praise. See, there are moments in in your life, there there, there are moments in my life, uh, there's moments as a father, as a mother, moments as a son and moments as a daughter, uh, when you will feel the, the pressures of life weighing down on you. We all have those external 
pressures to perform, to do a good job, to get good grades, to, to make sure uh, uh, that you, you are doing the acceptable and right things. And, and those external pressures of making sure that you want to take care of your family, even now in this season, those external pressures of making sure you're, you're staying safe. And, and uh, uh, even though you don't really know what's going on, there, there are external pressures in our life every single day. And those pressures can weigh us down. They they could be wearing you down even this morning. Just think about those external pressures, but then move quickly to just those internal pressures that we feel every single day. Those feelings of inadequacy. Those feelings of what if they really knew who I was. Those feelings of uh, uh, not wanting to be transparent because you, you, you're afraid that people will see you for who you really are. Those, those feelings of why me? Those feelings of, am I good enough? Those feelings of, what if I can't do this? Those feelings of anxiety that we uh, often have within our hearts. But not only those feelings of pressure, there's going to be a, a ton of times, those moments in our life where our entire lives will be disrupted. Even in the midst of this pandemic, Our lives have been completely upended and interrupted. But beloved, in those times of external and internal pressure, in those times of disruption and interruption, in those times, will you still believe God like Mary? Will you believe God? In those times, will you still praise God? And that's the big idea of our text this morning, that the heart of a believer should be filled with praise because of what God has already accomplished and because of what God will accomplish for you and through you. I'll say that again. The the heart of a believer should be filled with praise because of what God has already accomplished and because of what God will accomplish for you and through you. Through you. Simply put, a believing heart should be powerfully postured for praise. We should have hearts that are ready to burst forth in praise, all because of what God has done for us, what He is doing for us, and what we know He will do for us in the future. Our hearts should be ready to explode with praise. And this is where Mary is. She, she knows what God has done, she, and she believes in what God is going to do through her. She believes and trusts in his promises, and her heart is so filled with gratitude that she can't help but give God praise, and she bursts forth in song because her heart is so filled with praise. This, this is an emotional outburst of Mary because she is so excited. Beloved, I don't know about you. Uh, I I don't know what your emotional outbursts may look like, but I'm sure they they don't look like songs to Jesus. Matter of fact, I don't know if your emotional outbursts could be songs played in church, but we see that from Mary that her emotional outburst is a song of praise. Here, Mary's doing what we simply call, she's praising God on credit. God ain't even did what he 
said he was going to do or finish what he said he was going to do with her, and she's already ready to praise God. Beloved, there's going to be times in our life where even though we don't see God moving how we want him to move right now, and we may not see him uh, moving how we want tomorrow, but we're still able to give God praise on credit because we know that his word is true, and he is trustworthy, and he is not a man that he shall lie. And when God says that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion, He's saying to you and to me, you can praise me on credit because I'm going to do something with your life. In this text, I don't I don't know where you are today, but I do know that because of what God has already done and because of what he will do, you can still praise your way through. Look here in the text, beginning with, uh, I actually want to jump down to uh, verse 46. And uh, we see that Mary's praise is deeply personal. Mary's praise is deeply personal. She says, uh, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's saying, uh, uh, my soul and my spirit, these are the, 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 the deepest inward thoughts and postures of her life. Her soul and spirit, just synonymous with just, the center of I. She says, I will exalt and, and, and I will magnify because I know what God has done for me and what he's doing. This, this deeply personal praise that Mary gives, this is not superficial worship. See, we, 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 we know superficial worship. Uh, superficial worship is where you're, you, you go, you're in church and, and they're singing a song that you, you, you really don't like or uh, you have some baggage from the day before that's on your mind and you're really not there, but you're just kind of going through the motions because everyone else is right there. See, Mary is not going through the motions of worship. She's saying, I know what God has done for me. So I'm going to praise his name. Her deepest self is even saying to us this morning, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what you came to do, but I've come to praise the Lord. But I know what God has done for me. Beloved, there's going to be so many times in our lives where, where we can't uh, rely upon someone else's praise. We can't, we, we can't uh, get in on the, the coattails of someone else's praise and worship uh, on, on Sunday mornings, and we can't wait for someone to pump us up uh, uh, in our homes. And in our homes, it, it can be harder because no one else are, is around us. But if you really take time to reflect on what God has done in your life and what he's doing right now, then, then you ought to have a right now praise praising God because he's been faithful even over these last few months. He's been faithful. You, uh, you, you still have food on your table. You still have clothes on your back. You still have a roof over your head. You still got enough toilet tissue to keep you through the rest of the month. God is showing up for you, and you can give him praise right now. Your praise and my praise needs to be deeply personal because we know that we know that we know what God has already done for us and what he's going to do for us. 
Beloved, just think about where God brought you from. Think about where God has brought you to. If God brought you out of the dark and the dank and the dingy, and he's brought you into a place where he's done washed you up and he's cleaned you up, then he's done something for you that you could have never done for yourself. Give him praise. Mary's praise is deeply personal, but then we also see that Mary's praise is is deeply perceptive. Mary has a type of praise that is filled with self-awareness. She, she, she gets it. She, she understands uh, who she is and, and, and who she is in light of who God is. She has this, this astuteness to her understanding of what God is doing. When she says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Uh, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. When when she talks about her humble estate, Mary, she's simply acknowledging an exalted view of God and a lowly view of herself. This is is not a a self-deprecating view of herself, but it is clearly that she she sees God as the one who is high and lifted up, like Isaiah when he was in the, uh, uh, in the temple, and he says, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it's that same kind of understanding that she is, she is saying and bringing to the text that just as the angels were flying around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, uh, Mary understands that she stands before a holy, holy a holy and righteous God. And she understands that she is nothing but a humble servant. It's nothing about her that is special. There's nothing about her that that would deem her worthy of God's attention or affection. She is simply stating, I am nothing and God is everything, but praise be the God that he has turned his face upon his humble servant. What humility, because she realizes the poverty of her life. Our lives are nothing in comparison to who God is. And if God has given himself to us already, why are we holding on to so many things in our lives that can never satisfy? Mary's words here reveal that though she may not have been important to this world, she understands that she is still important to God. And if we know that we're important to God, it doesn't matter whether or not this world values us as long as God values us. And, and as she's thinking and thinking about how God is working in her life and her humble estate before the Lord, then, then she goes on to make mention of, uh, of what her reputation will be in, in, in the generations to come. She says, and her, her, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is not a brag. She's giving God all the credit. She, she's giving 
God all of the honor. But I like, I like how she starts on, from now on. See, right there, those two words signify a transformation, a change taking place in her, her life. See, there was a time before the angel gave her a word, and then there's a time after the angel gave her the, war and the, uh, the word. And after the angel has given her the word, everything's changed now. So she understands my life has been changed since I've encountered the word of God. And, and now my life is not going to be the same. And from now on, because of what God is doing, from, from now on, because of what God has declared, from now on, because of what God has decreed over my life, the generations will speak. So it's, it's, she's, she's not saying, look at me. And beloved, we, we, we understand from the text that Mary is not the one that we should worship. The one that we should worship is the one who holds Mary in the palm of his hands. And that is God. She understands that she is not to be the object of worship. She is just an object of grace because God called her name. Because God called her out, because God chose to set his favor upon her. Verse 49, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Beloved, is it, is it enough that God knows your name? Is, is it enough for you that God has chosen to reveal himself to you through his word? Is, is, is it enough for you to just, just to be happy with knowing that Jesus loves me, this I know. Because if that is not enough, if, if you need the, the miracles, if you need all the blessings, then you really don't understand who this God is. But not only does Mary know what God has done for her, she knows what God can do for others. Because in verse 50, she says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary says, she, she, she's, she's flipping the switch in her praise. She's been talking about what God has been doing for her, and, and, that, and that makes her so excited. But she, she flips the switch, and she begins to talk about, and I know what God can do for, for you too. If, if God has done it for me, then he can do it for you too. And, and not only is she excited about what God has done in her own life, she's excited about what God is doing in other people's lives. And the people of Israel, she is excited that God is choosing to reveal himself to people who are lost and, and distracted. And she is excited that the Savior of the world has come. His mercy is from generation to generation. How, how, how will God demonstrate his mercy? He had demonstrated now just like he's demonstrated in the past. 51 Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He she goes on and, uh, and on about he has, he has, he has. And she is simply stating the fact that the God that has been working in the past to reverse this social order is the same God who will be working now to reverse the curse of creation. He has. And beloved, there needs to be a time, uh, a point in your life where you, are a where you have been able to perceive 
the goodness of God. And for, for, for anyone who has named the name of Jesus, there needs to be a he has moment in your life. He has delivered. He has rescued. He has paid. He has healed. He has given. He has blessed. There needs to be a he has moment in your life. And you need to perceive that in order to give God the proper praise. If you're here today and there's never been a he has moment, has he saved you? Mary's praise is deeply personal. Her her praise is uh, deeply perceptive. But then lastly, Mary's praise is deeply prophetic. Deeply prophetic. What, what, what do we mean here? Uh, verses 54 and 55, we, we already see that Mary has been chosen to be a vessel of honor for God's glory. Uh, but in this, in this song of praise, she's also demonstrated herself to be a a student of redemptive history. As, as Gabriel has explained God's plan to her, she's able to put some things together about uh, redemptive history past and the present and what God is going to do in the future. And as she begins to work her theology out in, 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 song, in, in a psalm, she's able to explain that she understands that God is a promise keeper and he's planning on working through her to keep his promise to his people. In verses 54 and 55, she says, he has helped his servant Israel, watch here, in remembrance of his mercy. In remembrance of his mercy. What is, what is this mercy that he is remembering? As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. What promise was it that God made and spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob? What promise was it that, that kept them going? It was the promise that God would, 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 would be with them, that God would bless them, that he would give them a land, he would make them a people, and that through them, the nations would be blessed and would receive the goodness and presence of God. What she's referring back to is the fact that God had promised uh, uh, the people that through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a Savior would come, and through his seed, this Savior would rule and reign, bringing salvation to the lost, bringing hope from heaven, and he would make sure that this people who loved him, whoever loved him, would be drawn to him. Mary's praise is deeply prophetic because she's talking about the fact that God is fulfilling his promise of sending Jesus, the one who will save them from their sins. And beloved, at some point of our, in our life, we need to have uh, a praise that's deeply prophetic. It can't be based upon what our eyes have seen and just what our ears have heard. We need to have experienced God in such a way in the past 
that is going to impact our present and move forward into our eternal future. What, what we're talking about is there needs to be, have been a moment where you've had an encounter with Jesus. He's revealed to you your sinfulness and your need for a Savior. And upon understanding your need for a Savior, you say, uh, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and to save me, to redeem me, and to reconcile me. And once you are reconciled, a current way of life begins to change and also a future life in heaven for eternity with God the Father is coming. Mary's praise doesn't just come out of thin air, but it comes out of a heart that deeply believes the word of God. Do you believe the word of God today? Do you genuinely trust in the word of God or do you just trust what the TV says? Or do you just trust what your friends say? Or do you just trust what Facebook says? Or do you just trust what Google says? Or do you deeply trust in the promises of God? How can we work this out in our life? Let me give you a, a, a couple of ways we, that we can just practically work this out in our lives. And, 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 and prayerfully, it will produce a new type of praise out of our hearts. Ask yourself simply, has, uh, have you truly surrendered by believing God? See, surrender doesn't come until you actually believe what God says about you. The fact that we are born sinners with a sin nature. The fact that there's no one good, no not one. The fact that separated from God, we, we are headed to an eternity in hell away from the goodness and presence of God. We have to believe what God says about himself and that he sent his son into the world in order to uh, die for their sins and that whoever trusts in him would be saved. And we got to believe God that the fact that uh, when we turn to Jesus Christ, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for the one who died for us. 2 Corinthians 5 and 12. Have you truly surrendered by believing God, but then also Do you see yourself as an object of grace? See, it's easy to think that the person we are today is because we've done all this hard work and we've uh, uh, got our life together ourselves. But what you need to understand is, but by the grace of God, you are what you are. And it's but by God's grace that he has given you a mind to earn degrees and he has given you the ability to to get a nice paying job and he has allowed you the the wisdom to save, to buy out. It's only by God's grace. Do you see yourself as self-made or God-made? Are you an object of grace? Has your joy for Jesus faded because you've just moved on from the cross? There's a point in the Christian life where we're tempted to turn away from the same cross that saved us. And to begin to think that all we need to do is work harder and try harder and things will be better. We can never move away from the cross. We can never move away from our first love, who is Jesus. Have you truly surrendered by believing God? Do you see yourself as an object of grace? Has your joy faded because you've moved on from Jesus? Today, I just want you to reflect upon what God has done 
by bringing you where you are today. There's no happenstance. There's no mistake that God has brought you where he has brought you. Reflect upon where God has brought you. And it will produce a heart filled with praise. What is your heart posture towards God today? How do you think about God? How do you feel about God? Do you think that you can never satisfy God or you'll never be good enough? When in a sense, you're right. But in another sense, you're wrong because if God could use little old Mary, he can certainly use you. And if God can uh, uh, do all the the marvelous things he, he did in Scripture with broken, lowly people, for his glory and name, say he certainly could use us because uh, in God's economy, he takes the little and the least and the lowly and he uses them for his supreme glory. If God is able to use rebels like Adam and Eve, certainly he could use a rebel just like you. If God is able to use a liar just like Abraham, then certainly he could use a liar just like you. If God is able to use a, the sexually immoral person like Samson, he can certainly use the, sexual immor- the sexually immoral person like you. If God is able to use a hothead like Peter, he can certainly use a hothead like you. See, what I'm saying is, 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 when, is, is when it's Jesus who comes into our life, it is he who makes the change. It is he who determines what we can and can't do because it's all by his grace and by his power. When it comes to following Jesus, it's not what you can do. It's what Jesus can do through you and for you. You need only believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10 simply says, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You need only to repent and believe today in order to be the recipient of so great a salvation. And from that, a heart filled with praise will come. The heart of a believer should be filled with praise because of what God has already accomplished And because of what God will accomplish for you and through you. A believing heart should be powerfully postured for praise. Is your heart postured for praise today? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And thank you for this example, this witness from Scripture. Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she believed you, And she was so grateful to you, she gave praise for you. And Father, may we reflect the same type of heart posture, posture, because you have saved us, because of what you have done, and because of what you will do through your people, and that is to make the name of Jesus known. May we give you an awesome praise, because you are an awesome God. Now, Father, I ask that you would take your word, seal it upon our hearts, and transform us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.